the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Praise God. Amen. We're in a, in a short series of sermons on um, uh, witnessing, proclaiming the gospel. So we continue that with a, with a message this morning entitled, The Witness of the Righteous. And if you have your Bibles or whatever access you have to the Word of God, uh, it could be your iPhone and all of that, but after we read, you turn it off, okay? We don't want you to be texting while... Uh, we are in the Word of God. Or if it's printed up here and you want to read along, that's fine too. We make sure that nobody escapes the reading of the Word of God. It's taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, the very famous parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he, he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for, your, for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Are you a righteous person? Now, there he goes again with his question. Believe me, this is not a trick question. My intention is not to make anyone feel bad or feel guilty because uh, there's only really two common reactions that people will give you when you ask them this question. Either they're going to feel guilty because they have never lived up to a certain level of righteousness, or they're going to feel proud because they believe there's very little wrong with them. 
okay? But righteousness is a big piece, if not the central piece, in proclaiming or witnessing for our faith in Jesus. It's good for us to ask this question. Remember last week I asked you a question as I began the service. Are you a worshiper of God? Our worship life qualifies us to be witnesses for the gospel. And the same is true for being righteous. That's why we need to ask this question. It's good for the soul. You have come here this morning not for your body, not for your situation, not for anything else. You're here because of your soul. And I've come because of my soul. So it's critical for us to be certain of our righteousness because righteousness is the evidence that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to I be able to make sure that I, I, I make certain things clear. So when we ask the question, how do we know we are righteous? The simple answer is, it's because the love of God is evident in us. Now, preachers are often afraid to talk about some of these foundational things because many times we're afraid to be too shallow on a Sunday morning. You're not going to talk about the love of God. For the love of God, don't talk about it. You know, there's that tendency. But it is an important question for every single one of us to ask. Are we righteous? And how do we know? We know because the love of God is revealed in us, thereby making us righteous. Okay? All right. There are four unmistakable traits that reveal the love of God is in us, declaring us righteous. Four traits. We all know them. But if you want to answer the question, am I righteous, these four things have to be evident in our life. Four things. They are grace, mercy, truth, and generosity. You people over here are listening to me intently. These people, are, I, they, they're, not, they're not into me yet. Here. There are four traits that is revealed in us that testifies to the fact that the love of God is present in us, thereby making us righteous. Grace, mercy, truth, and generosity. These are the four foundational tenets of God's love. And these tenets become the traits that the Holy Spirit continuously work, working in us and through us to uh, build in us, these four things. So inevitably, someone will ask, well, there's got to be more to the love of God than these four things. To be sure, there's a lot more to God, period. And there's a lot more to God, to God's love than these four things. However, these four things are the four communicable attributes that God says you can copy from me. Remember, Jesus is the unique Son of God. Now, by that I mean Jesus is one person with two natures. A divine nature, a fully 100% divine nature, and a fully 100% 
human nature. That's why he's unique. Now, in Jesus, both the divine and the human found its union. There are attributes of God that he says you cannot copy. For example, do not try to multiply bread when you're hungry. It isn't going to work. Don't try to walk on water. Wouldn't work. Okay? Believe me, I tried. But there are communicable attributes. Attributes that God says, you can copy these things. And when you do copy them, as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. When we see these four things in our lives, we can be sure that the love of God is being revealed and, in fact, testifying to the fact that we are righteous, okay? So it's, so it's an inevitable question that we must answer. There are attributes that God says you can go ahead and emulate, and there are attributes that you cannot. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he perfectly demonstrated who God is. In Colossians, the Bible says that he is the image of the invisible God, and that's true. Jesus was the ultimate picture of what God is like. And yet, as a human being, he knew how to function in this world. It's been said by a preacher that on Jesus' mother's side, he was hungry. But on his father's side, he multiplied the bread. You see these two natures? Happening in the life of Jesus. It's been said that in, in, in Jesus' mother's side, he cried. But on his father's side, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. So we see this thing happening in Jesus. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit came, when we came to faith in Jesus, and we were bestowed by, by the Holy Spirit with this, with the, with this grace and this, this mercy, this truth, and this generosity, we become like Jesus in a way, our righteousness is now reflected in the, in the love of God that has been poured into our lives. Okay? So that's an important thing uh, for us to, to understand. The attributes of God that we can copy reveals to God and reveals to the world that we are righteous. We're gracious merciful, living by the truth, and we're generous. These are the things that God says, go ahead. You can copy. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that this, my Holy Spirit comes in and, uh, and that's revealed in the inside of us, okay? The demonstration of God's love in our lives become the primary witnessing tool that we have for the gospel. The demonstration of our righteousness that will reveal the love of God is what God is going to use to transform people's lives. Okay? It is the love of God seen in our righteousness that will advance the gospel because it, it is the one that will stir up in the inside of a person faith and hope. You know, when we testify... Righteously, when we are righteous witnesses, people are going to be stirred up 
to have faith and to have hope. Okay? And, and, and that's going to be the introduction to, 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 that, to that entry, to that personal relationship with Jesus. And how can they have that faith? How can that faith be stirred up? How can that hope be evident? It's when we show them the love of God through the righteousness that we... Paul said it best, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a, a passage that, that everybody knows, but we neglect to look at, look at it with its main significance. Paul says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul says, I could prophesy like no one else. But if I have not loved, I, I'm just like a resounding gong. I can speak in all kinds of tongues. And you know, Paul was not knocking down all of these gifts, okay? I want to make sure. But he's saying, if you really want to reveal the power of the gospel, you've got to have this communicable attribute of righteousness that God promised we can have. It becomes the power behind our proclamation of the gospel to other people. Now, here's the main point of the sermon. Our righteousness is the true witness that we have God's love in us. So the question now is, how can my righteousness reveal the love of God to people? And we already know those four traits has to be revealed. Now, that's why this parable is important. That's why this story that we read is so important because this gives us the insight as to how this is done. So if you just follow the, 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 the trend, the, the, uh, the, the tracks of this parable, if you just follow the, the story, you'll see this in operation very clearly. In the parable of the Good Samaritan that we just read in Luke 10, 25-37, we discover three insights about this righteousness that reveal the love of God. And it's vividly woven in the parable and how that righteousness truly becomes our witness. So let me set up the occasion for why Jesus told the parable in the first place. There was an expert in the law that wanted to test Jesus. He was not a lawyer, but he knew the law of Moses. He knew the Torah. He knew the code of conduct based on the law of Moses. And he confronted Jesus to test him and asked Jesus, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded magnificently. His answer to him was a question. Jesus said, The law. You are obviously an expert in the law. How do you read it? And, and you know, it's also a trick question from Jesus. He was testing Jesus to find out how to gain eternal life, and Jesus came back to him with his expertise in the law and asked him a very profound question, you know. The law, how do you understand it? Now, Jesus knew and the expert of the law knew that God has given the nation hundreds and hundreds of law, right? So it was a strict question. Does this man really understand the law in all of its revelation, in the hundreds and hundreds of commands? And the man knew. He was very smart. He knew to narrow down the law into two sentences. He said, the law can be summed up. He said this to Jesus. The law can be summed up into two things. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second one of this, he told Jesus, the second one is this. He said, you shall love the Lord, uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you are correct, sir. Obey this and you will live. You will have eternal life. Now the man, interestingly enough, had a follow-up question, and that reveals everything about the man. He said, yeah, I know, but who is my neighbor? Why does he want to justify himself? You got to ask yourself. He knew the law. He knew the right thing to do, but why does he need to justify what he knew? Why does he need to justify who's the neighbor? Because deep inside that man, he knew that his knowledge of the law isn't a demonstration of the true love of God, all right? He knew that even obeying the law doesn't make him righteous. That's why he needed to justify himself. And sure enough, Jesus answered him with a parable. And in this parable, we gain three insights of what it means to be righteous witnesses for the gospel. Number one, if you're taking notes there in, in your bulletin, the first insight is this, as to the nature of our righteousness. The witness of our righteousness comes from an outside or external source. Okay? That's the first thing that Jesus wanted to convey to us about this righteousness. It is a foreign righteousness. We cannot produce this righteousness on our own. We simply cannot. God has to put this righteousness in us. It has to come from the outside. It cannot be produced from the inside. It doesn't matter how good our ethics are. It doesn't matter whether we know the right things to do or not. It's not on the basis of our understanding of right and wrong. It is on the basis of what God did through the cross of Jesus. This righteousness is a positional foreign righteousness. It's the great Christian doctrine of the doctrine of imputation, where righteousness has been imputed on our behalf, okay? That righteousness that we possess is foreign. We need to have a clear grasp of that because our world today does not have a grasp of what true righteousness is. And it's up to us as followers of Jesus to be the true witnesses for that righteousness. You know how many people today are protesting on the streets because they want to correct something that they believe to be wrong and they want to make it right and they're trying to do it through all kinds of rationale and reasoning especially this the, the the younger generation has is clueless as to what righteousness is they just feel like they want to go stand out there and protest something that they believe to be wrong and they're not they're not necessarily wrong about their assumptions it's just that when you leave it up to us, what's going to happen? If you leave it up to human beings to determine for them what's right and wrong, we will become relativistic and all of a sudden what feels right to you right for me and what writes, what's right for me may not be right for you. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to have conflicts. Or we're going to have all of these things in front of us. Righteousness does not come from us. The Bible says all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot make ourselves right even if we try. It has to be a foreign righteousness. It has to be given to us. We need to be put positionally in this 
place of righteousness. It comes from God. Now look at the story. There was a man who was robbed and beaten, and he was left for dead. That's a picture of every single person outside the relationship with God. You got to remember that in the story. The man was beaten up and left for dead, okay? The Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses. That's a clear picture of every one of us, all right? Now, the story gets interesting. A priest happened to pass by in the story. I love this story. A priest passes by, and he saw the man that was beaten and left for half dead, right? What did he do? He took one look, and he went on the other side. Now, if you're going to have a picture of, uh, if you're going to allocate righteousness to someone, wouldn't you say, that's a priest, that person is supposed to be righteous, right? But the story, he flat out ignored the guy. He was a priest. The priest was in charge of worship. The priest was in charge of the oracles of God, you know, to declare them to people. And yet in the story that Jesus told, he saw the man and he says, huh? And then it gets even more interesting. A Levite. Now, a Levite, uh, the, the tribe of Levi were, were, were generally regarded in the Bible as priests. They are the, the priestly tribe, okay? So we don't know if this man was a priest yet, but probably he was an assistant to the priest because he wants to be a priest also. Let's just make that assumption. And he saw the priest walking and he ignored the wounded man. So he said to himself, well, if my boss over there ignored him, I'll ignore him too. It's interesting that these two guys uh, were supposed to be the bearers of true righteousness. Incidentally, many, many years ago when my kids were small, we went to, um, to uh, Universal Studios Orlando many years ago when they were little. And uh, that was before all of these um, Marvel movies came out, right? But in that park, they had a special Marvel superheroes. Day. And all the kids were uh, over there. They, they're like looking at Iron Man and Captain America and the Hulk, you know, and all of these superheroes. They're all dressed up, big guys, big men and women, you know, really menacing-looking superheroes. Captain America, handsome. You know, all of, the, all of the superhero costumes, they were all walking around and all of that. And in the middle of all of that commotion, a, 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 an epileptic guy passed out. I, I, I wish I could picture. I took a picture of the whole thing. In my picture, the, 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 the guy who fainted, who passed out, was on the ground flat. And all of these superheroes are standing around him like this. And some, some, somehow somebody says, Somebody dial 911. In the midst of all of those superheroes <laughs> was an epileptic man and all the superheroes were standing up there and then the true heroes came when the paramedics showed up. All right? What does it tell us? It tells us that these two characters in the parable, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, are false. Uh, their righteousness is false. They have a righteousness that comes from what they did and not with who they are. That's the main thing. In our country today, we have a lot of 
We had a lot of false sense of righteousness. People are demanding to get things done right, like I said. But the sense, but that kind of demand, that kind of righteousness is so subjective that it becomes contentious. It's coming from a place of personal preference. People want their rights. We're big about our rights in this country, and we should be. But you know what? Us getting our rights don't make us righteous as people. Us having what we demand as our rights do not make us righteous. Only God can make us righteous. God did not call the church for any other reason but to impute the righteousness that, God ha- that, that, that He has in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 